You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. God is looking for some people that are out there not just to make a life, but to save a life, not just make a living. It's bigger than that. So stop telling people to know Jesus and start acting more like Jesus and tell people about him. Tell people that, hey, there's a life that's better out there. I used to live life like you. I used to pursue success at the expense of my family, at the expense of my integrity and my eternity, but I'm coming back to what life is all about. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? All right. Good to see everybody on this wet, rainy Super Bowl Sunday. Now, before we begin, I just got to clear the air. I just got to find out, all right, how many Rams fans are in the house? You rooting for the Rams today? Rooting for the Rams? Okay, represent. There we go. All right. Patriot fans in the house, you're rooting for Tom Brady? Come on, let me see you. Oh, loud and proud. That's what I'm talking about, all right? And uh, how many still feel like the Saints just got robbed? Okay, there we go. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There we go. They got robbed. Uh, I'm rooting for the Rams. You say, why? If my Bay Area teams can't make it, at least my California team's got to make it, all right? So I'll be rooting for the Rams. How many are like, hey, I just want to see Brady just continue to win. You like that. You like seeing him win. All right. There's a few of you. The rest of you just hate greatness. You're just jealous. That's all it is. All right. No, it's great to see you. And we are in the end of a series entitled The Home Run Life. And we've been looking over the last five weeks at uh, God's game plan for success. Because when it comes to life, all of us are kind of asking ourselves that question, aren't we? What does success look like? Is there a way that I can have success? Can I be successful? And we all want it. We want the home run life. Nobody is sitting here thinking, nah, I just kind of, I don't really care. No, we all, when it comes to life, we want to be a success. So what we did was we started talking about baseball and how Baseball kind of lays out a picture in our minds that kind of helps us. And each week, it's been like I've been grilling it into our heads, just these basic truths. And I know I kind of feel like I'm almost insulting your intelligence by keeping it so basic. I know you're smart in this, but here's what I'm hoping. Here's my desire, is that now, after this series, when somebody comes to you and starts talking about winning, you'll have some really practical truths to share with them. And you may pull out a napkin, you may say, hey, it starts with this, and you may draw it out for them. And then they're going to look at you and they're like, wow, you're really smart. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. I am. It's okay. You can admit that and everything. No, no, no. You don't even have to give me credit. You could say, yeah, I came up with this. It's fine. But I believe it can change so much for you. And so we're asking ourselves, what is the home run life? We said, first of all, if you were to think about what would a home run life look like, we'd all start with success, wouldn't we? We'd say, it's all about success. And I'm here to tell you, it's success is important. But success for me isn't just a numerical thing. It's not just a number in the bank account, right? I want to win when it comes to my marriage. I want to I wanna be successful with my parenting. I want to be successful with my calling as a pastor. I want to be successful when I go and lift weights or when I uh, go and try to uh, put money in the stock market. I want to be successful at these things. I want to be successful when it comes to our friends. So success isn't just some money in the bank. If it was, that would be shallow, wouldn't it? And we said last week that shallow values create empty victories. So it's not just about money, though money is a part of it, okay? We're not just 
throwing that out. But when we think of the home run life, we think of success. But you and I, when it came to success, we never saw us getting success by ourselves or sharing it with just us. There's something really cool about the celebratory dinner. There's something really cool about having somebody to call or somebody to text or somebody just to, just to tell them what they're doing, you know? And so it's really neat. We always pictured success with someone, with people. There are people in our lives that we want to share our success with. And that's a good thing. If you're a parent, you want to share it with your kids. If you're married, you want to share it with your spouse. If you're dating, you want to share it with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or whatever. You want to share it, or just with your friends. Success, we don't just want it by ourselves. But the other thing we said about success and uh, with having good relationships, we also said that when the home run life, we wanted to have our self-respect. You say, what do you mean? When we look ourselves in the mirror, we want to like what we see. Today, society and culture just pushes get success, get success. And so some people, you and I both know them, they will cut corners. They will cheat the process. I went in for surgery and I was like, all right, doc, all right. You know where you're cutting, right? You know where you're going to start, you know, you, you, we're settled on that, right? I don't want to come out missing stuff, all right? Or you left stuff in, okay? We can't have none of that, all right? So I want to make sure. So when it comes to us doing things, we don't want to cut corners, and also, when it comes to self-respect, sometimes, and you and I have probably met these type of people, on their way to success, they will forfeit their family, their integrity, and their eternity just to get success. And then they get there, and they're like, oh, this is it. It's kind of hollow. It's kind of empty. And so we said that a home-run life is not just success. It's not just about people. It's not just self-respect. We said a home-run life is also about significance. Because we don't just want to make a dollar, we want to make a difference. We want our life to matter. We want to know that one day when we're long gone that people say, hey, I want to do life the way dad did life, the way mom did life, the way grandma or grandpa did life, or the way my boss did life. We want to leave a solid reputation where other people would follow. So this is the home run life, but it's rare when we find somebody who accomplishes it, right? So what often happens is we kind of follow the pattern. You say, what's the pattern? Typically what people do is they start at home plate right here, and they chase success. That's just kind of it. That's natural. I've been, I've been guilty of this numerous times. Uh, several first years of my uh, life was all about success and getting mine, and we find ourselves frustrated. But then we notice that scripture, Romans 12, 2, says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so God has a different game plan. So now we're looking at what is God's game plan? So he said, first of all, and we have them all letter C's. Now this is my fifth week of doing this. So I know it kind of feels like maybe going back to school or something. But help me out if you remember. What was home plate? It was? connect that's it connect okay all right good that really makes me feel real good that five weeks worth of teaching and one person remembered it thank you one person all right my self-esteem just went down here okay thanks a lot i mean this is not going well all right so we've got connect what was the next one what's the next letter c thank you all right character that's right somebody has character in the room they remembered you see note takers are history makers some of you are like going back through it looking for your notes and everything that's why we picked letter c so character you see we said that hey we've got to start by connecting with our creator you were made on purpose and for a person you have a creator that made you you're not just an accident you just didn't evolve 
evolved out of some primordial ooze. It's not just something that randomly happened. I mean, it's just, that's not God's design. God has a design for your life, a plan for your life. And so he wants to connect at home plate. Secondly, we said character. And I know you can barely see the er on it, but that's what happens when you're homeschooled, okay? All right, you don't get a really good education. All right, so uh, when it came to character, it's all about our character. It's all about those things that are underneath the surface. And character counts because character is what's going to sustain all the things that we want to happen. You see, I said it last week, a lot of people today have high hopes, high hopes for their marriage, their career, their family, but they have low habits. You can't have high hopes and low habits and think you're going to accomplish something great. You have to have the habits that'll follow through. You've got to have those things that are baseline. You see, that's why we've been saying, hey, it starts with God. Get that 30 minutes before 730. Spend that time with God. You see, here's what's great. This is corporate worship right now, corporate. This isn't personal worship. And there's a difference. You see, I don't want to have a church where we just worship corporately. There's got to be a point in our life where we also worship personally. Is this personal or is this just a corporate thing? You see, Sunday's all per, uh, corporate. This is, this is something where we're all doing together, so it's not the exact same impact as when you personally do it. So when it comes to that personal development, develop that relationship with God, build that character, and then second, second base, do you remember what it was? Community, that's right, it was community. This is so important. You see, community is huge, but oftentimes we don't put community on our calendar. You see, life was never meant to be lived alone. It was never meant to be done alone. You need community. We at Southridge, we intentionally create life groups because we want every adult plugged into a life group. There's one happening every day of the week except for Monday, which is next year, Monday Night Football. We're intentional about these things, okay? We know where our priorities are at as a church, okay? So just just know that we're thinking of you and football, okay? Now, when it comes to uh, community, this is huge. We said that Find out what counts on the last day so you know it counts every day. You see, if we know what matters, then we can every day just say, hey, I'm doing what matters. I'm doing what matters. I'm doing what matters. Other people, they can go straight to third base. I'm going to keep fighting for community. I'm going to keep fighting for a good marriage. I'm going to keep fighting for a good relationship with my children. I'm going to keep fighting for a good relationship with my coworkers. That's community. Anybody remember what last week was? No, you're like, it was last week. You can't expect me to remember that. Competence, competence. That was last week, competence, okay? Uh, E-N-C-E, competence, all right? And last week, we talked about the fact that we need to know what our values are. You see, too often, the culture around us measures different metrics, and they will tell you what is success. So they may look at you and say, hey, you want to be successful? Why did you take time and go to church? Like, that seems counterintuitive, but you and I know that, wait a minute, I need to be around some people that encourage me. Not just encourage me mentally uh, and physically, but I need some spiritually. We are spiritual beings, so we need to be spiritually fed and encouraged. And so you know that this is actually going to help your week, all right? And so this is why we gather on a Sunday, first day of the week. And so competence, we said we're going to evaluate our values. We're going to take time. We're going to step back and say, hey, and when I, is what I'm living for truly important? Is it going to last? Is it, is it really matter? We also said my purpose is found in my creator, not my career. The career will be gone one day. The career will be gone. But my purpose is in my creator, And today, 
Now we bring it to today. So this series is a practical way to practice the successful life. That's what this series is all about. Like I said, I'm trying to put it all on the bottom shelf so that this week or this year, you have a different type of life. A life that says, you know what? We are going to run these bases the correct way. We're going to run them, and we're going to see God do some great things in our life. Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All of it. God didn't just say half of it. He said all. I like that word, all. So God will do all of it as we pursue things God's way. But what happens is I meet a lot of people. They're running the bases backwards, and then they come to God, and they say, God, would you bless my backwards living? And God's like, no, no, no. I have a game plan. Follow my game plan, and you'll see the success that you want. You will see the home run life. You'll see what you want to accomplish. So now let's turn our attention to this character that we've been studying in the Old Testament. His name is Joseph. And Joseph, we met him in Genesis chapter 37. He's about 17 years old. His father gives him a jacket, a coat of many colors. And uh, uh, so he gets this jacket. This jacket was a sign of God's favor. It was a sign of his position. And he had 10 older brothers. The 10 older brothers should have gotten the jacket, but the dad had a favorite child, okay? You can have favorites. Just make sure your other kids don't know you have a favorite, okay? All right, so you have multiple kids. Just make sure none of the other kids are in the room when you say, you're my favorite, okay? All right, just a little practical word of advice there, all right? And um, when when it comes to Joseph, he then said, hey, I'm my dad's favorite. Then he has a dream. In his dream, God says, hey, everybody's going to bow down to you. So Joseph said, I'm my dad's favorite and I'm God's favorite. This is pretty good. His brothers didn't like it very much because Joseph was young, a little bit of an ego trip. And so they threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery. For 13 years, Joseph was a slave and a prisoner in the country of Egypt. In Egypt, he finally, after several years in prison, gets promoted to the prime minister of Egypt, second in command of Pharaoh. And so he gets reunited with his family, reconnected. The relationship is restored. And after 22 years of not seeing his family, he finally sees his family again, finally gets reconnected. And we said that there was all the competence, and we saw that. But today, we're going to pick it up in chapter 50. In chapter 50 of Genesis, I want you to see that Joseph's father, after he got to see him, finally passed away. He was older, and he finally passed away. And he's gone. And so now we pick up the story because once Jacob's father, Joseph's father, Jacob, passed away. The brothers get nervous. So if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn to Genesis 50. If you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible in the seat back in front of you. That's our gift to you. You can keep that. You can take that. We want you to have a copy of God's word, or you can look up on the screen. But I'm going to read here just a few verses. The Bible says this, verse number 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show us his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you, your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. This morning, 
I want to recap everything we've looked at over the last four weeks. And my goal this morning, I have an agenda this morning. My goal this morning is to convince you, to compel you to be committed to a home run life. That this would be the year that you are convinced and compelled and committed to this type of a life. Because I know what happens. I know what happens. I've been in ministry long enough. I've been a pastor long enough where I know we start the year with great intentions, don't we? We start the year with all these plans. We start the year with so much intention and we're just pumped up about it. But my prayer, my desire is at the end of 2019, you look back and you may have not lost all the weight you wanted to lose. You may not have saved up all the money you wanted to save. You may not have the bigger house, the better car. You may not have any of that, but my prayer, my desire is that you would be convinced, compelled, and committed to have a home run life. So at the end of 2019, you're like, you know what? I didn't accomplish any of that, but look, I followed God's game plan, and it worked out so good for me. That's my desire. That's my goal this morning, is that that would be your goal as you go into this message, that you would be convinced, compelled, and committed to running this life and to run this year. So in this passage, we meet jo and Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers are nervous, rightfully so, right? I mean, come on, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He, he here, these brothers are thinking, you know what? It's going to be payback now. They, they're they're going to come after us. You know what happens often? Is that you and I, we're looking at this game plan, and we start to think exactly what Joseph's brothers begin to think. That, you know what, man, everybody else is cutting corners. I don't know if I should go after character. I don't know about spending time with God and all that. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. And, and, and we're tempted to go the other route. We're tempted to uh, uh, kind of look at things wrong. And, and Joseph's brothers, they're doing that, aren't they? Here's the thing that we don't fully grasp is that Joseph went to Pharaoh and said, I'm going to move my family down from Canaan and I'm going to move them to Egypt. And Pharaoh said, hey, give your family the best land in all of Egypt. So they go to the land of Goshen. In the Central Valley, there's a little town. It's called Goshen. Anybody ever heard of Goshen? There we go. Don't go to Goshen. There's not much there. There's a prison, Corcoran State Prison, right next to it. But other than that, that Goshen is not very nice. But in Egypt, super nice. It was great for your crops. It was great for farming. It was a beautiful, lush valley. And so they had the best land. They're connected with the highest office. And here they're worried about they're going to be taken care of. You know, all of a sudden, I thought about my week. I started thinking about the things I began to worry about. I started thinking about my own bills, and all of a sudden, instead of seeing how God's taking care of me, now I start to worry about things. I start to have anxiety. I start to have panic attacks. I can't sleep at night. I'm full, full of anxiety and worry about situations that are out of my control. This week, I, I got a, actually this morning, we turn in prayer requests. You can write down what to pray for in the staff, and, and we pray for those. And this Sunday morning, I saw a card, and I looked at who wrote out the prayer request card, and it was a girl named Megan Ermla. It just happens to be my daughter. And I was like, huh, I wonder what she wrote on it and I was like maybe she wrote it I want a pony or I want a car or I want these things I flipped it over and if you're a parent in the room you'll get this she said I'm praying that I can find a best friend that'll be nice to me and I was like as a dad I was like oh just got me and then I was like why didn't I see this earlier in the week why am I just finding it now and all of a sudden now I'm starting to freak out like oh she's not having friends at school what's happening in our neighborhood like what's going on you know and all of a sudden these worries as a dad start creeping in your mind and you have them too and you know what's real easy to do? It's real easy to do this. Because too often we will judge a situation. But here's what I would love for you to write down. It's not your situation. It's your sight that's the problem. Your situation is not the problem. It's your sight. It's what you're looking at. 
Because too often we'll look at a situation and we will label the situation as bad even though we haven't even seen it yet. You see, I don't know about you, but I meet people all the time. They're like, you ask them how their day's going. They're like, oh, it's a bad day. It's a bad day. And then I step back and I'm like, who gave you the power and the authority over the universe to say that today is a bad day for everybody? Like, like really, you have that much control? Why is it a bad day for you? And then they step back and they're like, oh, this is bad. Because why? We, this is the old adage, we judge a book by its cover. I love the story. I'm going to show this to you. Uh, any Top Gear fans in the house? Any Top Gear fans? There we go. A few, a few. Okay. I want to show this clip of Jay Leno being interviewed for Top Gear because I feel like we are so guilty of judging a situation before we've even seen how it turns out. Let's watch this clip real quick. Um, so do you spend a lot of time going to car shows, stuff like that? Well, that's really all I do. I work in my garage. I like working on cars. and <laughs> You'll like this story. I had my McLaren F1 out, and I took it to a car show. And I see these two L.A. gang members. <laughs> Mm. Scary guys, tattoo, you know, the thing on the neck with the cross, the tear on the, you know, the whole bit. And they're looking at my car, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> and one of them says, hey, Gordon Murray designed this, right? And I went, yeah. And then the other guy asked about David Stevens, and I realized, well, now I, I'm prejudging people, okay? I assume because they look different from me that they're criminals or gangsters. And I felt so bad about this. I said to these guys, you ever, you ever been in one of these? No, no. And I said, you want to go for a ride? They said, yeah. And I realized... All right, maybe this is a mistake. Okay. <laughs> and as big as they were outside, they were enormous in the car. The guy's head, and when that tattoo is right here, you know, <laughs> you know, with the misspelled die and everything. And I, I, all right, so we're driving along. Hey, this is good. Guy goes up here in the hills. There's no traffic. Oh, all right. So uh, <laughs> he's, not, he's not good at this point. So there's a place called Canaan Road, which goes above Malibu, and mm. there are some tunnels that go through the mountains. So I said. Well, I tell you what, I'll nail it through the mountains. You guys got to hear the, the F1 McLaren. I fly through the tunnel, 125. As I come out of the tunnel, police call right here. So, <laughs> and I go, pulls over, and now I got two gang guys. And they're going to run a check on these guys. They'll be drug dealers. My, my McLaren will be towed, they'll put a hook on it and drag it to impound, I'll be arrested for going under So uh, cop pulls over, uh, and the highway patrolman goes, what are you doing? You know how fast you're going? The two guys go, we're police officers, sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were undercover. They were undercover. Exactly. It's like, ah, oh, it's like the greatest day of my life. Isn't that how we are? We will judge a situation totally by its label. We will judge a situation, and really the problem isn't the situation, it's our sight. You see, here's what I've found. Oftentimes, our perspective is affecting things, because why? We experience our perspective. Let me say it again. You see, our focus determines our future. So if you start looking at your spouse, you start looking at your job, looking at your boss, you're like, oh, they don't understand, they're a jerk, they don't know about my needs, they don't, guess what? You'll start to experience that. Because you're creating your own future. And yet we do that with so many situations. You see, you can't have a negative mind in a positive life. They don't coexist. But yet how many times do we just give in to negativity? Just like the brothers did. They're like, oh man, we're, we're done for. This is it. Instead of looking at how well Joseph is taking care of them, now they're scared. They're starting to say he's going to kill us. He's going to do all these things because they are prejudging. You see, never judge a situation by what you can see because you and I can't see the entire situation. We're not God. We can't see the end from the beginning. We can't really see it. Uh, just between you and me, uh, I'm a horrible judge of character. 
I'm way too trusting, super trusting. Like, it's the reason why I don't carry any cash. I'll just see somebody, and I'll just start handling money. And I'm just like, here's all the money. My wife's like, no, you cannot carry any cash. You just give it away. So she never gives me large bills. She always gives me, like, uh, just smaller bills if I ever have cash, because I'll just give it away. Or if somebody does something, I'm like, oh, no, they didn't really mean to cuss me out. They really love me, you know? And I'm just a horrible judge of character. I just really think the best about everybody. And so the problem with that is, because I think the best of everybody, I miss read situations. But my wife is an excellent judge of character. Excellent judge of character. She reads people. I think they call it a woman's intuition. You know, guys, we should listen to that. They're really good about things. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten into trouble where my wife will just, she won't even say, I told you so. She's got this Filipino look, and I don't know how they do it. It's this passive aggressive thing. And I was like, stop talking. She's like, I'm not saying anything. I was like, your eyes are talking to me. Shut your eyes, you know? And it's just like, they're just giving me that glare. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about, whether you're going to admit it or not. You're like, nope, I'm not going to admit it. My wife does not do that. I'm looking forward. You know, and so when it came to my wife, sometimes she'll just give me that. So I've learned to trust her perspective on people, on situations. And I'll say, hey, babe, I'm looking at it like this. She's like, you're way off. That's not what they meant. Hey, they walked by. They didn't shake your hand. They're not mad at you. What are you? Well, you're crazy. You know, this person, they're not for you. The person's against you. And so I'm a horrible judge of character, so I can't trust my own judgment. Why? Because I will judge a situation by what I can see. But we can't do that. We experience our perspective. So we've got to come back and step back and do exactly what Joseph did. Joseph put it all into perspective, didn't he? You see, the brothers are like, hey, we, we really messed up, man. We're really sorry. We'll be your slave. And then Joseph comes in, and he's like, hey, guys, you meant it for evil. That's true. You didn't have good intentions. We were young. But guess who was working it all out? It was God. And Joseph sums up 22 years of pain, 22 years of prison, 22 years of isolation and separation, and he sums it up, and he says, God meant it all for good. Isn't that incredible? You can say amen. I know our church, we're trying to get in a little, it's okay. Amen simply means to agree, all right? You can clap and engage with, with me a little bit. It's all right. We don't have to be so stiff. And maybe you're just checking your phone. It's, hey, the game hasn't started yet. You're good. You're good. You got plenty of time, all right? Besides, you're just going to go over to your friend's house, eat free food, and watch the commercials anyway. You don't really care, all right? So it's not a big deal. So just focus right here for a few more minutes. You see, what happens is we get so focused and our perspective is off, and we miss it. And so we need to once again step back and say, you know what? It's time to attack my negative attitudes. That's what it's time to do. It's time to attack our negative attitude because negativity distorts reality. Have you noticed that? If you've got a negative person in your life, everything's bad. It doesn't matter what's going on. Everything's just negative. Negativity will distort reality. And some of you, you'll feed off of that. So put positive people in your life and say, hey, am I seeing this situation correctly? Joseph was that perspective. He brought perspective to the situation. He said, hey, you guys aren't thinking clear. God meant this. So first of all, we see that, guess what? It's not the situation that's the problem. It's our sight. But second, write this down. Note takers are history makers. God wouldn't have put you in it if he hadn't put it in you. You say, what do you mean? Some of you, you're stepping back. You're looking at a situation. You're like, I can't believe God did this to me. I can't believe he allowed this to happen to me. I can't believe I'm going through this trial. I can't believe I lost my job. I can't believe my health isn't good. I can't believe we split up. I can't believe this happened. And many of us think like, I can't handle this. But here's what you need to see. And this is what Joseph said. And I love it. I got to turn to verse number 20. He says, you intend to harm me, but God intended it all 
for good. He intended it. God planned it for Joseph. He knew this is how Joseph was going to grow. He knew this was the only process. Some of you, you're right here at first base in the character development phase, and you're so frustrated, you're so mad, but God's like, I got to build your character. I got to do some development. I've got to get some things going in your life. Some of us, the most important part of our life is what nobody can see. We have the Golden Gate Bridge not too far. The most important part of that bridge is what's below the surface. The most important part of your life is what nobody can see. On Sundays, you look good, you smell good, you may have a Bible, you may not, um, but you're here, and all of a sudden, everybody look at you and think, man, you're all right. You got it together, but they don't know what's happening at home. And they don't know the issues that are underneath the surface. And so we are saying, guess what? We're going to deal with the hidden issues. We're going to deal with what's underneath the surface. So instead of getting upset that God allowed us to go through it, we're saying, God, you're going to allow me to go through it because you put it in me. You put it in me, the power, the strength, the ability to go through this. You see, here's the hard part. God couldn't trust anybody with a baby boy born one pound, six ounce. But he knew he could trust Jacob and Jillian. He knew they would steward this. He knew they would come through this. He knew that they would have the right perspective. You see, not everybody could handle it, but they could handle it. You say, I don't know if I can handle it, but God who is in you is the strength that's going to motivate and be there. You know, when I was growing up, I, I, I was a part of like track and field meets. You know, I'm short, stocky, so I'm very slow, and I go slow on purpose. Uh, you know, I first started at a, at a gym, uh, CrossFit Diligence, and I love my gym. Haven't been able to go in six months. They don't see me around there, but I'm going back this week. The doctor cleared me, so I promised Peter I'll be there. I promise, and I'm looking forward to it. But when I first started at CrossFit, we'd have to run around the building. He'd make us run around the building, and I would, I would ah, run, run, run. And as soon as he couldn't see me, whoo, oh my goodness, this is dumb. That guy's a jerk, you know? And I just, you know, strut walk. You know, what was happening? That's my character. That's my character that says, ah, it doesn't matter. As long as nobody can see it, it doesn't matter. Some of us at our jobs, oh, I know it's good because we're getting quiet. Uh, some of us at our jobs, oh, nobody's looking. I'll take a little bit of extra money. I'll write a few more hours on my time card. Oh, my wife can't see what's on my laptop. It's all good. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh, my wife doesn't care who I'm texting. It's all good. I'll just, I'll just keep it on the side. As long as she doesn't know, it's not hurting nobody. No, no, that's a big problem. You see what happens? We are, are, are going through this situation we think it's never going to come out. But guess what? It will come out. So we've got to step back and say God wants us to grow in our character. He wants to help us. And some of you, I know you feel alone right now. I know you're like, man, I'm going through it and I feel so alone. I don't know if I can make it through this trial. I'm feeling so alone. When I was growing up in Fresno, we would do, like I said, track and field. And there was a track and field meet and I had a good friend. His name was Luke. And Luke is just a consummate athlete. He's real tall, great basketball player. Even to this day, super good basketball player. Played college, you know. And at the time, he was just, he kind of looks like Larry Bird, just an athlete, you know. And he was super fast. And I remember we were at a track and field meet, and he was scheduled to race. A race he wasn't typically used to, to running, so he was nervous about it. And he stood up there, and, man, we were trying to motivate him, say, yeah, you can do it. And you could tell his heart wasn't all in it. You could tell he wasn't all there. But all of a sudden, he gets to the starting line, and the whistle goes off, and he starts running. And he's running fast, but he's not all there. He's, you could tell. His head's not there. He wasn't giving it his everything. But then you could see out of the corner of Luke's eye, something motivated him in that moment. Something happened, and it stayed with me to this day. As Luke was running a race that was too big for him, where he felt overwhelmed, out of the corner of his eye, he saw along the track somebody else was running alongside him. And he took a look, a glance, and he saw it was his father. 
And the moment he saw that his daddy was running with him, all of a sudden, you would have thought this guy got a second win. You would have thought he was juicing. You would have thought he had steroids or something. Man, he took off. Why? Because his father was with him. He wasn't alone anymore. You know, this morning, you may feel alone. You're not alone. The situation may seem hopeless, but it's not without hope. This morning, God is with you in the situation. So as you run these bases, God is there. Your father hasn't abandoned you. He still is a good, good father. He's still on the throne, and he's going to help you run these bases. So you keep running the bases. I know it's difficult, but God's doing some great things in your life as we run. You see, we need a hope that runs over and doesn't run out. You see, we are not alone. The scripture tells us that There's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on from the grandstands of heaven. You're not alone this morning. So as you continue to run these bases, don't don't feel alone. Don't feel isolated. Joseph put it all into perspective that God wouldn't have put you in it if he hadn't put it in you. He put the strength in you. He put everything that you need to overcome this difficulty so that you can run these bases. You see, there's a fullness of hope that flows over whether you feel it or not. There's a hope that's there. But then lastly, we've got to wrap things up. We need to be okay, not just here. And I love what Joseph, he sums it all up. He says, hey, hey guys, listen up. He said this. He said, I'm not just here to make a living. I'm here to save a life. That's why he said, he put it all in perspective. He said, I'm not, this, this right here, it's about you, but it isn't about you, if I could say that. The biggest thing of this series, if you get nothing else, get this. The home run life is not about you just making a living. It's about you saving a life. It's about you teaching somebody else, hey guys, this is the way to go. This is what a home run, this is what success looks like. This whole time I've been saying, hey, there's one way to run the bases, right? This whole time, this whole time. Can I mess you up for a second? Can I, can I teach one last thing on the fifth and final week of the series? When it comes to your development, when it comes to you, we run the bases home, first, second, third, home. But when it comes to you helping somebody else, we run the bases backwards. When you are teaching somebody else, you say, what do you mean? Because uh, other people, they don't get it this way. So we say, hey, let me, show you, let me show you how God did it. You see, God said, hey, I'm gonna give first. I'm gonna send my son, Jesus, to this earth for God so loved the world that he gave his son. God was successful, God had success, but God says, I'm gonna give you something. What did he give us? He gave us community. After that, he's, God said, hey, I'm gonna give you my son. And God said, I'm gonna pour this out. Why? Because I want you to have something. You see, Joseph said to his brothers, this is not just about me making a living, guys. This is about me saving a life. You see, Christianity is not just about us making a living. It's not just a good marriage. It's not just being a good parent. It's not just, just a good life. What it is is bigger than that. It's you helping somebody else you see it's not enough just to come to church you see what I've realized is there's a lot of people that it's possible for you to come to church and you leave church and nothing has changed nothing my prayer this year is that you would keep the change isn't that fun to do Man, when you're just rolling in money, man, and you go out to eat, and you're just loading, you're just dropping hundreds and everything, and all of a sudden, the waiter comes over, you're like, hey, keep the change. They're like, it's 45 cents, sir. Like, yeah, keep all of it. Yeah, and you're tightwad. But no, 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 it feels good when you leave a nice fat tip, man. You're just feeling good. It feels good to say, keep the change. I love that phrase because it has a double meaning implied. My prayer is this year you will keep the change. My prayer is this year that these principles, they won't just be in one ear and out the other, but I'm praying this year that 2019 would be marked by these principles that you will say, hey, I kept the change. I still got, I still remember what we heard. You see, God is looking for some people that are out there not just to make a life, but to save a life, not just make a living. It's bigger than that. 
So stop telling people to know Jesus and start acting more like Jesus and tell people about him. Tell people that, hey, there's a life that's better out there. I used to live life like you. I used to pursue success at the expense of my family, at the expense of my integrity and my eternity, but I'm coming back to what life is all about. You see, our greatest desire is that we would run a home run life. So today what we did was I got some home run base plates. Because I don't know about you, I need a visual reminder. I forget things. Jane, my wife, will send me to the grocery store to buy milk. And I will go to the grocery store and I will buy everything but milk. I will come out with a shopping cart full of stuff we don't even need and I'll forget the milk. Why? Now she starts sending me a list. She texts to me and then she even texts pictures to me. She's like, this is what it looks like. You're not to get the cookies, the donuts, the cake. You don't need none of that. And all of a sudden I realize I need a reminder. So today we got some home run base plates. And the first hour they all came up and they signed it. They said, yes, I am signing to a life that says I'm going to run a home run life. I'm signing up for a life that says, you know what, I'm going to stay committed to this thing in 2019. I'm not just going to run these bases for this week. I'm going to run it every week for 52 weeks this year. We've already gone through five of them, so we only have about 47 left. So we say, you know what, for the next 47 weeks, I'm going to keep running because that's what God wants you to do. Just like Luke, his dad said, run, Luke, run. You can do it. You've got it. You have a father in heaven who's saying, run this year. Run this year. Don't give up. Don't slow down. Just keep going. Just keep running. No matter what comes, just keep going. I know you're hurt. I know you're down. I know you're discouraged. But get back up and run the race. Run for home plate. Run for home base. Run for your marriage. Run for your children. Run for your job. Run for the future. Run for your neighbor. Run for your coworker. You just keep running this morning. And this morning, my desire is that you would make a decision and say, I'm going to run. I may not be the greatest person, but I can run. I may not have all the words, but I can run this year. And maybe the greatest thing you do is you say, you know what, I'm going to commit because my prayer from the outside of this message is that you would be convinced and compelled and committed to this. Committed to this. Where you say, this is what I'm doing this year. We can do whatever else, but I'm going to do this. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.